Hello and welcome to the latest Lancet podcast. Richard Lane with you here on Thursday, November the 22nd. This week we're focusing on a new cancer drug that could play an important role in the treatment of colorectal cancer and gastrointestinal stromal tumours, as well as some other cancers as well. And this week, for a change, we've interviewed one of the authors of a linked comment that assesses two cancer trials. So without further ado, let's hear our author introducing himself. Professor David Cunningham, consultant medical oncologist, director of clinical research at the Royal Marsden Hospital in London. Professor Cunningham, many thanks indeed for talking to The Lancet. You're the author of a comment published online Thursday, November the 22nd, and in an upcoming issue of The Lancet. And this is reviewing a cancer drug called regorafenib in the context of colorectal cancer and gastrointestinal stromal tumors. Before we go into your thoughts on how we should interpret these findings and details of these trials themselves, can you just give us a little bit of context? What are the clinical management issues in dealing with patients who have these types of cancer? Both of these are papers uh, related to patients with advanced disease, which would, I think, be the best focus for our discussion. Firstly, metastatic colorectal cancer is a condition which is associated with an average survival of around 24 months from the point of diagnosis. We have seen um, significant improvements over the past 10 years, advancing average survival from 12 to 24 months from the use of uh, chemotherapy, usually combined with um, one of the so-called targeted agents such as uh, bevacizumab, which is the uh, antibody directed against VEGF, and also uh, cetuximab, the antibody directed against uh, the EGFR receptor and receptor pathway. So we have made progress, but we clearly have a long way to go because we're still looking at average survivals of around 24 months. Some patients, we can produce more long-term survival, particularly if the patient has what we call oligometastatic disease. That is to say, uh, limited uh, numbers of sites of disease, uh, either uh, contained in one organ or, or possibly two organs where patients receive chemotherapy and then go on to have surgery. But for the other patients, once we've exhausted the standard uh, treatment options, we really at the moment uh, have, have nowhere to go. And that was the scene that was set for the regorafenib trial in colorectal cancer. So these were patients who'd failed all of the known standard treatments. Got it. No, thank you very much. And can you give us a... Sorry, can you still hear me? Yeah, good, good. Thank you. And can you... Tell us a little more about this drug, regorafenib. It's, a, it's, it's in the category of tyrosine kinase inhibitors. We call this a, it's a multi-kinase inhibitor because it doesn't just inhibit uh, the tyrosine kinases. It inhibits other kinases. Um, but it has a, a fairly broad spectrum of activity uh, across, for example, um, uh, VEGFR1, uh, VEGFR2, uh, VEGFR3, uh, PDGFR, uh, FGFR1, uh, RAF, and TI2, and also um, the uh, mutant oncogenic kinases KIT, RET, and BRAF. So this has a very broad spectrum of activity. As an agent, it is being evaluated in a number of tumor types, uh, including colorectal cancer and gastrointestinal stromal tumors, as well as lung cancer, renal cancer, and, and hepatocellular cancer. And thanks very much for that. Can you briefly just describe, just in brief terms, and, and the key findings really, don't need to worry about the methodology too much. People can read it in the comment and in the trials. The setting here then, a trial looking at this drug, um, 
in colorectal cancer patients and in GIST? In the colorectal cancer study, um, patients were randomized between uh, regorafenib and placebo. And uh, the authors uh, reported a significant improvement in both um, progression-free survival and survival. The hazard ratio uh, for survival is 0.77. However, the, the median improvement in survival was only around 1.4 months. And this, I think, is disappointing. When you look at the uh, progression-free survival curves, what you can see is that the two curves are, are identical up, in the, up until around eight weeks of treatment. And it's only at that point they begin to separate. At eight weeks of treatment, just over half the patients have already progressed on regorafenib. And we think that uh, this would uh, indicate that there's a significant number of patients who are not really benefiting from the drug. So although there's a statistically uh, significant improvement in progression-free survival and survival, the actual incremental benefit for patients is relatively small. And the shape of those uh, progression-free survival curves would seem to indicate there's a group of patients not benefiting from this treatment and one in, in which hopefully we may be able to we, one in which hopefully we will be able to find a biomarker that either predicts for, for benefit or predicts for lack of benefit. Got it. Whereas in the gastrointestinal stromal tumour, you're more optimistic. In the uh, GIST uh, uh, tumours, what we can see is a, is a much earlier uh, separation uh, of the progression-free survival curves. The hazard ratio, in fact, is 0.27, which is really a, a very big impact on progression-free survival. It's increased uh, from 0.9 months uh, to 4.8 months in the treatment arm. Now, this did not uh, uh, translate into survival benefit, and we believe the main reason for this is that at the first evidence of progression, patients were rapidly crossed over uh, to the uh, uh, active drug. And this was very much built into their protocol that uh, at the first sign of progression, patients would be crossed over. Although there, there isn't uh, an overall survival benefit, this difference in progression-free survival looks at least to me to be uh, clinically meaningful. Thank you. Um, what are the Next steps and implications, do you think, from this? Because this drug, regorefenab, was approved by the FDA earlier this year, wasn't it, in, in the States? But, you know, it's, like all these things, it's not a cheap drug to administer. The benefits, certainly in colorectal cancer, from what you're saying, are, are marginal, but particularly until we've got a biomarker to identify a subgroup of patients who can, who can really benefit. So what's your view on the justification or not for the, for, for the clinical use of this drug at this stage? I think in the uh, GIST tumours that the indication for treatment is, is quite strong. I think that difference in, in uh, progression-free survival is an important difference. Uh, and I think that uh, most patients seem to benefit from the treatment. Uh, once again, if you contrast and compare the progression-free survival curves for the GISTs as opposed to colorectal cancer, there's a much earlier separation of the curves showing that um, the patients on active treatment uh, benefit early and, and I believe that, that the majority of patients do benefit. 
For colorectal cancer, we, we know that the drug has a, a license in the U.S., and at least uh, according to the website uh, from Bayer, we think that the costs are around uh, $9,000 for a 28-day cycle. And the big question is, um, for a treatment that ex extends median survival by 1.4 months, um, uh, is this really uh, a treatment that, that should uh, enter into routine clinical use? Uh, does it represent a uh, cost-effective uh, use of health resource? Uh, and, and I think many oncologists uh, will have some concerns about that. Uh, also, uh, I think it should be emphasized that uh, uh, this drug is not without toxicity. It, it, it is a drug where the toxicity is clearly manageable. But, for example, patients do suffer hand, foot, skin reactions, diarrhea, anorexia, hypertension, and stomatitis. So if patients are, are experiencing these side effects, but within the context of good disease control, then it may be a worthwhile uh, endeavor. I think if we're giving this sort of treatment to patients who will not benefit, we need to, to, to ask ourselves the question, is this the best way forward? I would like to see a high priority from Bayer to, to really try and identify uh, a biomarker uh, for the colorectal cancer group of patients. Uh, and I think that would clearly benefit patients by increasing uh, the therapeutic index. I know it's easy to say and I know it's difficult to do. And although these uh, agents um, are so-called part of the targeted group of agents, you can see here this drug uh, hits a number of pathways and therefore the identification of a biomarker may not be uh, uh, straightforward. Many thanks indeed to David Cunningham and to you all for listening. See you next week.